0: The 89th Psalm, the 89th Psalm, Max Lucado said of this Psalm, it, it is the single most difficult pursuit, the pursuit of truth and love, the single most difficult pursuit. If you're an English teacher, you want to correct that, you think you want to correct it and say, the single most difficult pursuits are truth and love. That's not what I mean to say. The single most difficult pursuit in your life as a believer is truth and love. Notice what the writer said. Psalm 89, 14, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth go before thy face. Mercy and truth. One translation said it this way Your kingdom is built on what is right and fair. Love and truth are in all you do. Another translation said it this way Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. God's throne sits on righteousness and justice. And love and faithfulness go before him. It's part of who he is. How important are friends? How important is it to have a friend? I just thought I'd ask. <clears throat> is a best friend worth sacrificing truth for? I know of a family situation where truth was so important that friendship didn't matter. And what ended up in that life is an emptiness. Uh, That that home had very few long-term friends. I'm a little distressed when I see people who don't have friends from their past. All their friends are brand new people. There's something, there's something not quite right there. Now, as we age, of course, we lose our friends. I understand that to death, but, but you understand what I'm talking about. On the other hand, I pastored a, a family situation that was exactly the opposite of that, a woman who's whose desire to have friends and make everybody happy was so high on her list that truth didn't matter. Nobody ever was confronted. No child was ever disciplined. There was no foundational truth to to drive that home. You see, the, the call that God gives to us out of this verse And repeatedly in the Scripture, and we'll come to some of those in a moment, are the most difficult pursuits of life. The most difficult pursuit of life as a believer, and that is to live love and truth in balance. Love is difficult. To truly love someone is difficult. It means you sacrifice. It means you invest. It means you risk. But so is truth. Truth is tough as well. Because there are going to be things in your life that you feel God's calling you to and the word speaking to you about that you know other people around you don't agree with. And so putting them together to pursue truth and love at the same time means you're in for the ride of your life. Love in truth truth and love, never one at the expense of the other, never the embrace of love without the torch of truth, and never the heat of truth without the warmth of love. To pursue them, to pursue them is your singular task as a believer. You see, the beginning principle of Christian life is love. The beginning principle is love. It's It's all wrapped up in relationship. Study the Gospels. Take some time and just read and read and read and feed on the Gospels. And when you do, the more you read, the more you're going to realize that as Jesus interacted with his disciples and the people in his life, the closer he got to the cross, the more deeply he invested in the lives of the people with whom he was interacting. You see... Relationship is built on love, and that's the foundation by which we go forward. It must be balanced with truth, of course, but relationship first. We need to understand people matter. I'm deciding whether to go here or not. I'm going to just touch it. I, I can't go into it in any depth. But there's a reason why conservative believers adopt the principles of our life that are different from our culture. We're, we, we are resistant to abortion and euthanasia. We care about how people are handled not just because there's some truth behind that, and there is, but because, because every person is a person. Every one of them are created in God's image and carry the mark of God. They matter to Him. It's, this is not this debate that's going on in, in, in our world, in our culture, about abortion or women's rights, it's not just about those principles. It's about, as believers, we ought to look at that from a different perspective than the world does. Amen. Because people matter. Every person matters. Every person deserves your, reco- your respect. You see, Jesus repeatedly turned the Pharisees' perception of truth upside down because he was calling them to look at life differently. They were looking at life primarily from the law, and he wanted them to see life from a different perspective. We've often built our understanding of Christianity, particularly in the conservative church, on the foundation of truth, exclusive of any understanding of the importance of relationship. So we take what we perceive to be truth and press that issue to the limit, and in doing so, we destroy relationships. By our myoptic pursuit of truth, we destroy any ability to be effective in our communicating the gospel to a broken world. Blanded disregard for relationship assumes that truth is all that matters. And by that, by that assumption, any foundation on which truth may rest and work in another person's life is lost. Because I can't communicate with them if I don't have a relationship with them. You see, few will actually listen to you give them truth until they know that you care. Kim said to me last night, when you said to me, I am going to pray for you, she said there was something in your eyes that was different from most people who say that. She said, I knew when you said that, that you would pray for me. Now, that's not about me. That's that's God. But our our world is hunting for somebody who just cares. Who's willing to stop and share a tear and an arm and some time to show them that you care. Listen to the wise man. Listen to the wise man. He said six things that the Lord hate. These seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that are swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. God cares about relationships. The writer of Proverbs connects the lack of love and relationship with discord. And to the person who cares little or nothing about relationship, discord seems to be a small thing. But it is not a small thing in God's sight. One of the last things he taught us before he went back to the Father was that we are to care for one another, love one another, be in Christ together. The New Testament writers have something to say about this attitude as well. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, 6, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 16, verse 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them that cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which we have learned, and avoid them. That's interesting. God says careful who you hang out with particularly if they're divisive and critical there are some folk i will be polite to but i won't spend an hour with them because i can't i can't embrace their spirit i'll be polite i'll be friendly but if their attitudes an attitude of division and separation and frustration I know my spirit and I can't I can't embrace that. You see I remember a time in an embarrassing time in our time in Canada the church that we pastored was right on the corner and three houses down from that was the parsonage and the house right next to the church was a rental and so there would be people in there a while and then they would go and for a while a family lived in that house who were Jehovah's witnesses and uh, and they became they, they started the lady started coming down the street you know how it is they knock on doors and stop and melba invited her in and she she'd been there several times and they'd converse and then the lady would try to push her her understanding of truth and one day I was in my study which was which was right below the living room with a large grate for heat and so I could hear all of the conversation and this lady's she's talking about her doctrine and the longer she talked the more indignant I became and so I after about a half hour or 45 minutes of that I marched myself upstairs and I told her in no uncertain terms that God is a triune divine being and that there is a heaven and a hell and I straightened her out. I mean with, without any uncertainty. Uh, I gave it to her. Full blast. And I turned on my heel and I marched myself back down to my office and before I got to the desk Holy Spirit said, "Well, oh, you did a fine job, didn't you?" And I said, "Well, Lord, I just told her what was the truth." Oh he said, "I know that. I heard it. But he said, "All of the investment your wife has made in that woman over the last few months has just been destroyed." And her ability now to influence her to know Christ is gone. Well, By the time that conversation finished, she was was out of the house. And the Lord said to me, I want you to go down there and apologize to her. And I did. But I couldn't undo. I couldn't undo the damage that I had done. You see, my, my perception of truth was so clear that I couldn't see relationship. And I didn't even think about what Melville was trying to do by build a relation, building a relationship with that woman and trying to help her actually know the truth. Oh, love matters. Yes. But so does truth. Perhaps you're saying to me, "Wait a minute. What about truth? Aren't we supposed to stand for truth? The answer is yes. Truth is critical. Truth actually is determinative. What you believe drives the direction of your life. Your doctrine, I hear people say, I don't have any doctrine. Yes, you do. Your doctrine is simply your concept of who God is. Your doctrine drives the direction of your life. The question is, what is truth and how do, I, how do I express it? Well, truth is wrapped up in a person. The person is Jesus Christ. It came to us through the incarnation. It's wrapped up in an event. It's more than simply objective thought. It's more than just facts. It is objective and it is facts, but it begins and ends with a person, a person of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the truth. Any other source of truth is simply that. It's a source and it will fail at some point. But but in, in Christ there is structure and there is truth. There must be structure. There must be law. There must be truth or life will disintegrate. You see, without natural law, physical life ends. Without structure in a family, family life is destroyed. Without governmental law, a country cannot exist together. When you take away truth, when you take away law, when you take away objective truth, the society collapses into anarchy. Without spiritual law, faith becomes mysticism and, the, and life dies. There must be law. There must be truth. And it must be based in the foundation of eternal truth. A number of years ago, a friend of mine was looking to plant a church in Canada in a certain area of Canada, and he called an evangelical organization. If I told you the name of it, likely most of you would know of them at least. And he asked the head man in that part of Canada, what, what is necessary for me to belong to be a member of your church? And the fellow said, nothing. And my friend said, pardon me? And the fellow said, nothing. And, and my friend said, do you mean nothing short of Testimony of forgiveness and new life? And the guy said, no, I mean nothing. You don't have to have any profession or any doctrine. Well, let me tell you, that's not a church. There has to be structure. There has to be order and direction in life. But when you put them together, relationships, Love and truth, when you put them together, that's where life gets interesting. Because every one of us, if I were to stop right now and ask you, which side of this equation are you most likely to land on? Everybody sitting here tonight has a tendency to strength on one side or the other. Just think about yourself, think about your family, think about the people whom you worship. Likely, I don't know you well enough, but you know each other well enough. You're, you already have people pegged. Yeah, that's a, that's, that person sees black and white and can't see gray. <laughs> but when you put them together, you see, that's when the fun begins. Because... The Spirit of God brings equilibrium or balance between these two what appear to be fundamentally separate principles. When left to themselves, they destroy. You see, truth without love becomes harsh and critical and censorious. Truth sinks black and white. It can't determine purpose or motive or intent. It alone, by itself, it will bruise and cut and sever and separate and ultimately kill. But love without truth becomes mushy and meandering and meaningless. Love alone feels the importance of connectedness or relationship and it ignores what's right or wrong. It simply feels. Human love a left butt to itself is capricious without any guiding principle. It will embrace and then it will smother and then it will choke and it will finally kill. But my Bible tells me that our Lord Jesus came full of, John chapter 1, verse 14, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. In Him, in Christ, is the perfect uniting of what on the surface appear to be conflicting principles. In Christian truth. And love, there's the strength of balance. You see, Proverbs 17, 15 says, He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the righteous, both are an abomination to God. I remember a young pastor, I had pastored him when he was a boy, and he was in the early early years of his ministry, and he called me one day and he said, Brother Sam's, what's the, what's the one piece of counsel you would give me as a beginning pastor? And I said, oh, I don't have to hesitate to tell you that. And he said, what? I said, it's, it's Proverbs 17, 15. And he we said, well, what does that say? <laughs> I just quoted it to you. You see, if I justify the wicked, I, that's an abomination. But if I condemn the righteous, that's an abomination. God wants in our lives the balance. The balance. His word brings to us the balance, his spirit. You see, there must be, there must be careful intentional participation in both truth and love. It's a choice. Truth and love do not destroy. Truth and love embrace and bring purpose and healing and life. Truth and love build and they cause relationships to grow. Psalmist said in 85.10, mercy and truth have met together on the road. You know this. You've heard this. Mercy and truth have met together on the way. Righteousness and peace have embraced. The King James says it this way, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. What is is he saying? What is the psalmist saying? Well, he is saying that they are on their way, one to make inquisition and the other to plead for reconciliation. And when they met, they met in Christ. And in Christ, the truth and the love allowed them to embrace each other and kiss and reconcile. You see, the scripture says, that which make the man to be desired is his kindness. And again, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. The most difficult balance you'll ever do, the most careful walk you'll ever walk as a believer, is to walk in truth and love. In your own life, and in your relationships if you will you may know the beauty of love and truth the richness of deep relationship you may know god working in you and through you to bring balance to you but you have to choose to allow that to happen because again every one of us have a strength One part of your life has a strength. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he wants to bring with him the balance of the other side. You see, Exodus chapter 33, Moses seeks God's face. You remember this. He's seeking God's face. And God's response was, I will make my goodness pass before you And I will proclaim my name. I will be gracious. And then in Exodus 34, he says, Merciful and gracious and long-suffering, abounding, listen, in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty. What is God saying to him? My foundation sits on the foundation of truth and love. Everything I do is full of grace, mercy, truth, and righteousness. Jesus came among us, again, full of grace and truth. That little phrase, John 1.14, full of grace and truth, that little phrase is a Hebrew figure of speech. That means in Christ is the complete. Expression of who God is. Perfect balance. He never makes a mistake. Or he presses truth in your life. He knows that's where you need it. When he reminds you of the importance of relationship. He knows that's where you need it. Because he wants to bring into your life. The likeness of that balance. The fullness of Christ in us. Through the Holy Spirit. Is that we begin to learn to walk. In grace and truth. Christ. Known most fully. Is not just. An emotional experience. It's not just a relational experience. It is that. But it's not just that. It's also the foundation of his word. Balance of truth. And grace. The joy. One of the joys I've had in my years of pastoring. Is I've. I've. I've had the privilege of pastoring people who modeled what I'm trying to preach to you tonight. I think about a couple in Canada, John and Anna Kreitzweiser. You would have never heard of them. John was a businessman, just an incredibly uh, talented couple, deep integrity, but they knew how to love right to the heart of what really mattered. Oh, they stood for truth. Not harshly, carefully, but they knew how to love. They marked our lives, my wife and I's life indelibly. In fact, in my office is a picture of John and Anna and me sitting at their 50th wedding celebration. I cherish that because of the deep, deep influence the Holy Spirit's balance in their life added to my life. Before we go tonight, I, Matt, would you mind coming? I, we're not, I'm not going to ask for an altar call, I, I, but I do want to give you a challenge. I'd like you to stand. I'd like you to stand with me. And while he's playing quietly, I want us to bow our heads. And I want, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I'm convinced one of the reasons the church wrestles with touching its community is because it's out of balance on one side or the other of this truth. One of the reasons many families have relational trouble is because they're out of, out of balance here. And the Holy Spirit wants to. He's well able to work in every one of our lives, bringing us into balance so that our lives can reflect as much as we're capable. We're we're not God. But we are capable of showing the richness of His presence in our lives in a balance that draws other people to Christ. Let's bow our heads together tonight and Ask God, Lord, you know this congregation. Thank you for pastor and his family. Thank you for every family gathered here this evening. Thank you for every person. You know each of us. Thank you that your throne, your kingdom is built on the perfect balance of truth and love, of grace and righteousness. And that your Holy Spirit brings into our lives, as we open our lives to, brings into our lives the influence of that balance. He reminds us, just like he did to me, that woman, oh, Father, forgive me for offending her. Help us to so live that we can show the richness of God's truth, but also the warmth and beauty of divine grace and love. If there's someone here tonight.